Hey, how you doing? Thor here, coach at thorholt.com, co-founder hazakcoffee.com, and investor in various places. Okay, today Thorholt presents Scott Adams. Scott is the creator of the Dilbert comic strip and the author of several bestseller non-fiction works of business satire commentary and um, yeah, he's just an all-around interesting guy. He's sometimes considered controversial. He is a political commentator and a repeat, a repeat offender in terms of guesting on podcasts that I run. Hope you enjoy my conversation with Scott. He has some interesting advice and I think useful advice for people who are in a COVID redundancy situation or indeed people that just want to have a more successful career. Hello. Good morning. Well, morning for me. Bedtime for me. <laughs> How are you? Great. How are you doing? We made it happen. Terrific. Good. Look, what I want to hit you up for today, Scott, is uh, career advice. Sure. It's <laughs> my so, specialty. Uh, your, your book, How to Fail at Almost Everything and Still Win Big. I think that could be particularly pertinent, particularly relevant for all the poor people that have been made redundant right now because of the reaction to COVID. But um, seriously, I wondered what your thoughts were on that. Like, what would your advice be if you had a relative, say, that had been made redundant, lost their job because of COVID? Okay. Uh, we're not started yet, right? Yeah, we're rolling. So if, we're you, rolling? if you want thinking time, just think away and I'll edit it out later. Well, I don't need thinking time. I, I'm ready with an answer. So the, uh, the answer is, is it's all about the talent stack. So uh, people need to uh, layer skills together until they have a unique proposition. In other words, there's, you know, uh, I'll use the simplest example. If, if you're the person in your office who knows how to do the job, and then you add to that the skill of being a public speaker, when it's time to replace your boss, let's say your boss goes somewhere, who's the most obvious person? Well, you want somebody who can speak to a group, but also knows the job. Now that's not enough, but it would automatically put you uh, head and shoulders above someone who only knew how to do the job, but wasn't comfortable in talking to people. You know, you'd also want to learn management and a number of other things, but that's the simplest example. So during the COVID shutdown on day one, as soon as we knew we were going to be locked up for a while, I was telling all of my listeners, you've got this unique opportunity. You'll never have a month at the time. I didn't know how long it would go, but you're never going to have a month where you can just learn something. You know, all of your other distractions have been removed. You don't even go to work for many people. So I said, pick out some, some skills to add to your stack so that when you're done, you're coming back more powerful, not weaker. And a lot of people actually did that. I, I got lots of feedback from people who, you know, people learned to code, literally. <laughs> people were taking classes online. Not just and, journalists. Yeah, not just journalists. <laughs> and, and I think that will serve them well. Now, in particular, given that we're heading into the age of robots at some speed we don't know, you don't want to focus on any kind of job that the robot can do. And one of the best ways to stay safe in the long run, you, you don't have to worry about robots for five years, I don't think, unless you're literally a, uh, an assembly line worker and mm -hmm. you should try, try to train yourself above that anyway. But 
the only thing that robots you know won't be able to do as easily is come up with new ideas that the humans are good at. So I can sit here and say, you know, how about if I combine these two things that already exist, it would be a new thing. And I don't know if people would like it, but I feel like they would. You know, there's sort of an art to understanding how other people think. And it's probably going to take computers a while to get to there. You and know, hairdressing, the, Scott. Yeah. Who, well, who yeah. wants a robot cutting their hair? I mean, really? Who's going to ask about our holidays that we're not allowed to go on anymore? Well, I, I think you and I could get a robot uh, barber and get our hair cut pretty easily. <laughs> I, Good point. I, I, I don't know if that's going to work for the ladies, but I, you know, if you have robots that are literally doing surgery on brains. Good point. You know, that's the expensive robot, but you know, the prices come down. Could a robot cut your hair better than a human? Matter of time. So no, the, the, answer, point. the answer is definitely yes. Five years, 10 years, we don't know. You mentioned that you thought we thought lockdown was going to be a month. I believe they call that a builder's month. So it's actually three months. <laughs> yeah, I, I, on day one, I was also saying it's good that the government gives you a date, but don't, don't take it too seriously. It's just good to have a psychological you know, point where you can rally around it. And then if it gets extended, well, that's a new decision. So I, I was kind of not, not too surprised when it got extended. So you mentioned uh, learning new skills, and I like that, and uh, talent stacking or skill stacking. But what, what about the – well, so are you talking about formal education like universities and things? Because, I don't know, I've, I've got a bad feeling about a lot of them. I think a lot of them have got a tough future coming up. This has just shown that they're not as important as they thought they were. Maybe I'm missing something. Yeah, certainly, uh, I would say that in today's world, there's not one path. Some people can do really well in the college situation. If you could be a lawyer or a doctor or an engineer, you need some college. But on top of whatever you're going to get, whatever your base skill is, most of the good stuff you can get pretty easily without without uh, going to school. So, for example, I give you these examples. Uh, I, I teach these little uh, micro classes. Uh, on my Locals platform. I'm on a platform called Locals. Uh, if you want to look for me, it's a subscription um, service. And uh, I, I teach people, for example, how to be better writers, and I can do that in 15 minutes. And almost everybody who has seen it or read the blog post on the same topic, they say the same thing. It's like, oh yeah, this completely changed how I write. It, it gave them a skill that they didn't have in 15 minutes. Mm. Likewise, I teach good design, how to design a page, whether it's on a website, a piece of art, anything. And you can get about 80% of what you need to know to get a good design in about 10 minutes, the whole thing. Now, the other 20%, you got to go to school forever, you know, to get to, to be really good at it. But there are a whole bunch of skills that you can get a solid 80% of them with so little effort, it's almost embarrassing. And you can start layering those on top of each other. And the beauty is that if you know multiple skills, you can start doing what I think James Altusher calls this ideas having sex. Yeah, that, idea sex he talks about, yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's the ideas mating with each other and then it's a new thing. But if you don't have enough domains of knowledge, you don't have enough things to mate. So you're having fewer, fewer accidental connections. So you want to get to that point where you know so many things, at least a little bit, that you can bump them against each other and create new stuff. 
So you you you're doing you're advocating skill sex then. Skill sex, yes. <laughs> hey, you're welcome. You can have that. <laughs> TM uh, trademark, uh, Scott. Yeah. Scott Adams. Uh, the, the, that's the same as my approach to food. If you take any two foods that you like individually, they can be eaten together. That's my rule. So skills are good. Sex is good. Skill sex, fine with me. Put any two good two good things together. Food, food mixed together is good. Yeah, there's been some food experimentation over the uh, over the lockdown time. There was another thing that I wanted to ask you about, and it's a bit of a touchy one, but it's something that just comes up all the time. I keep meeting people, and these aren't just people that are being made redundant that I'm helping get new jobs, but you know, diversity and inclusion, representatives, etc. Now, I thought they were pivotal to the modern economy, but apparently not, because I see some of them being made redundant. Uh, would you be up for sharing your own career story because there's kind of a tie in there that I remember. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. No, I, yes. Uh, my story about uh, the racial discrimination against me. Is that the story you're looking for? Well, I, I didn't know it was racial. I thought it was because you weren't a lady. <laughs> That's what I remembered. I misremembered. It, it was both racial and gender. Ah. So, uh, so here's the context. When I tell the story, don't listen to this as a complaint. Yeah. Because the larger context is that everybody's got a different situation. I'll tell you mine. Mm -hmm. And then everybody has a strategy that makes sense for their situation. So if two people have two different problems, but they both have a perfectly workable strategy to solve their different problems, I would call them equal, hmm. even though their problems are completely different. So I'm going to tell you my problem, and then you'll see the strategy for defeating it. So it's not a complaint. Yeah. It's just context. Uh, in the 80s, I was a banker, and uh, I was getting ready for the next level of promotion. Uh, you know, I had all the requirements. I was an obvious obvious person, sort of noticed by management, if, if I can say that. And one day, my boss called me into her office, and she said, um, it's embarrassing. To, I don't even know how to tell you, but management has told us directly that I can't promote anybody who is uh, white or male. And it's because the media had found out that the company had uh, almost no diversity in senior management. Mm. It was just a, it was a wasteland of, you know, white, mostly male faces. So they were trying to correct that. So the first thing I want to say is I'm in favor of that. Like if I'm looking at the big picture, what are you going to do? Sometimes you have to do, you have to use somewhat blunt instruments to fix a problem. That's obviously a problem. Having no diversity in senior management Obviously, that's not a long-term good situation. But how do you fix it? Well, you fix it by discriminating. And uh, to their credit, the managers who told me this directly didn't hide that at all. Hmm. They said, we got this problem. We're going to fix it. We're going to do it by discriminating against you. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, but remember the context. I'm a white male in America in the 80s. Yeah. Do, I have, do I have a problem? No, I walked across the street, you know, figuratively speaking, mm -hmm. put out my resume, got a new job almost instantly at another big company. It was the phone company, Pacific Bell at the time. And I got on the management training program. I started finishing my MBA at night. I mean, I was, I was a golden child of corporate goodness. You know, I was the obvious person to promote. I'd, I'd met all the requirements. And one day my boss called me into his office and he gave me the same speech. He said that the company had been basically caught with their pants down, no, no diversity in management, and the only way to fix it 
was to discriminate against me. <laughs> now, people like me, right? And they, and, they, and they said it directly. When I tell the story, people think, uh, Scott, maybe the real story is you weren't a good employee. Yeah, I was thinking that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're reading between the lines. Yeah. But keep in mind, I was, on, I was on the fast track for management with no, no negatives. You know, I hadn't been in trouble, hadn't said anything wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they told me directly. So the, the part you need to know is they didn't, they didn't couch it in any generalities. They said, I can't promote you because you're white and male, twice. Mm-hmm. So, so I quit that job um, eventually, but not until I'd lined up what became my other career as the Dilbert cartoonist. Now, if you hear that story in isolation, you say, white boy complaining about racism in America, screw you, <laughs> you know, you have the most privileged situation, everybody else has bigger problems. I make no argument that my problems are somehow big ones. Because what did I do? I took two problems and I said, well, I'll try something else. Now my process for success, which I recommend to everybody, is that for to succeed as something big, and I would say my Dilbert career was big, you're probably gonna fail nine out of 10 times. Mm. So if you, don't, if you don't think of it in advance as a process in which you might have to try 10 to 20 things, and, and fail 19 times, then you don't understand how anything works. Because if you're fooled by the impression that some people are lucky, it's because you only see that lucky people have succeeded. Yeah. And every, every successful person, including myself, will tell you the story about that lucky thing that happened, that you just say, my goodness, you know, that lucky thing isn't gonna happen to me, so how can I follow your model? Like, I can't make luck happen. And that is the big illusion. You can absolutely make luck happen. Now, not directly, and not in the sense that you could change how physics or statistics work in the world. You know, the coin flip is still going to be 50-50 in the long run. You can't change the basics of chance and the odds. But if you're sitting on your couch and you're not doing anything else, luck can't find you. It's not going to go looking for you. It doesn't go to your house and say, um, uh, today we're going to bring some luck. Uh, knock, knock, knock. Anybody home? Doesn't work that way. If you want some luck, you need to go into the world, make an impact, do lots of stuff. Most of it won't work, but you're learning, you're building a skill, you're meeting people, you're becoming stronger in each of your failures because we usually get paid while we're failing. You know, I, I just told you two corporate careers, complete failures in the long run but they paid me the whole time. And mm. I even got educated. They trained me. I've met people. I mean, all kinds of good stuff came out of it, which allowed me to do my eventual successful career. But Scott, so, isn't this one of those okay boomer moments where we say, yeah, it's all right for you boomers. You, you had times when you could walk across the street and get another job. But for the young people these days, if you're 25 and you've just lost your job in corporate land for whatever reason, COVID say, you can't walk across the street and yeah. get another job because there's X number of millions in the same situation. Yeah, and that's exactly what you should say. What you should be saying is, Scott, your situation was your situation. Like, if you give me your situation, okay, I'll, I'll do fine too. But my original point was, and remember I said this, you have to look for the strategy that fits your situation. Mm-hmm. So I would never yeah. suggest that, that what I did works for you. But here are some universal things. You got to get into the world. 
You have to let luck find you. I use this uh, story. I say it's, it's unusual to be hit by lightning. But let's say you wanted to be hit by lightning. Let's use, <laughs> light, let, let's use lightning as my example of luck. And, and you want to manage a thing that can't be managed. If you stay inside your house when it rains, good chance you won't be hit by lightning. But if you want to get hit by lightning, how about finding the place on earth that is, has the most lightning strikes you know, per day? You go up to that mountaintop, it's probably on a mountain, and you build a network of connected uh, lightning rods. And then you camp up there for as long as it takes with as many supplies as you need to eat. And you hold on to one end of the lightning rods and you just wait. Will lightning hit you? Yes. <laughs> yes. Now, did you, did you change luck? You did not. You yeah. simply went, you went where the energy was. And I, I, use, I use, like to use energy because that's a good general statement of where luck will find you. If you go to a big company that's growing and evolving in an industry that's really happening, today that would be, let's say, something like AI or robotics. Uh, Renewables of some kind. Yeah, anything with DNA. You know, there's lots of industries where there's just lots of energy. So those are a natural place to look. Now, add to that your talent stack. So say to yourself, okay, that's where I want to be. Based on what I already have, what do I need to add to that to be the best candidate who walks in the door? So, and, and then you just keep adding. If the one thing you added isn't enough, add some more. So it's a process that never gets worse. It only gets better. Your odds will improve and improve until it's almost as guaranteed as holding on to the lightning rod. Now, I don't want to kid you. You can't all be the Dilbert cartoonist. That was an unusual level of luck. But I do say that short of, you know, some horrible bad luck, you know, like a health problem or going to jail for a crime you didn't commit, you know, something like super bad, your odds of having a pretty good life are close to 100%. Or, or you nuclear don't... war with China, which could be on the horizon. <laughs> Any day now, yeah. <laughs> no. yeah I, I would say nuclear war with China is the least likely outcome, at least intentionally. It'd have to be an accident. But, but is, it, is it as unlikely as being struck by lightning while sitting inside? I don't think so. I think it's got to be closer to sitting on a mountaintop, at least looking at the lightning conductors. You might not be holding them yet. Well, we, well, let's hope the odds are low, but you might be right. I do hope the odds are low. Yeah. Good advice. Uh, I got a couple of other quick fires for you before we go. Okay. I keep these much shorter these days because I find uh, unless I'm suddenly Joe Rogan, people won't listen to me for three hours. Um, so, yeah, you don't think war with China. That's good. Trump 2020 or Biden 2020? Not who you want, but who you think is going to win. Um, well, uh, I would say... The way to look at this is that if you were to straight line it from today and just say nothing big changes from today on, yeah. it would be Trump. And despite the polls saying very much the opposite, I think the uh, Republicans have learned to lie to pollsters in a massive way. <laughs> uh, literally, I think that they're actually lying. And there's a reason for that. Because uh, given a world in which the, all data is discoverable, there's no such thing as being a private person. Mm. If, you, if you put anything onto any kind of a record, even your medical record at this point, you're thinking, well, they could get it. I mean, somebody could get that. So there's no such thing as privacy guaranteed. So you're, you get a call from a pollster and you know that if your name is ever associated with Trump, you're going to lose your fucking job. No joke. You're going to lose your fucking job. 
do you tell the truth? You do if you're an idiot, if I could be blunt. Telling a stranger that you don't know, a pollster, the truth about support for Trump would be stupid. Now, you, are you saying people lose their jobs just for voting Trump? Uh, yes, that, that's the current situation over here, if, if you're not current on how bad it is. Now, that's more of a this year's thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's sort of a fairly severe change. But yes, people are absolutely being fired for uh, Trump support. Now, given that situation, what are the odds that people are telling the pollsters the truth? Well, I wouldn't. I mean, no, I'm no, not true. Nobody. Well, nobody yeah. was going to vote Trump would if they if they had figured that out. So that would skew the results hugely. Right. And, and I would figure that not everybody is thinking as conspiratorial as I am. I think most people would just answer the question honestly. But I think there's a solid 20% mm. who know to lie. And, and I would say they're the smart ones because you cannot depend that that would stay private. There's mm. no way you can depend on that. Uh, and it would be super dangerous at the moment. So would you say that, so my last question then, would you say that even with the way, so this is just the way it's being portrayed, maybe in our media, I don't know, but even with the way he's handled the BLM, whatever we're calling these uh, demonstrations, riots, whatever we call them, even the way that's going, he would still win? Or yeah. do you think he's handling it, do people think he's handling it well in, in the US and they're just keeping quiet about that same, same principle? You know, I think there might be a million different opinions for any million Americans on mm. this stuff. So um, my feeling is that, first of all, 98% of the votes were done before the candidates were selected, because it's just people are going to just take their side. Mm. So you're talking about a very narrow range of people who were even in play in the first place. Uh, what would affect that narrow range of people? Well, that narrow range of people, the, the independent thinkers, are going to sort of dig into the data a little bit more. They're, they're trying to be persuaded. These are people who actually would be willing to be persuaded. So the data um, is not too anti-Trump, meaning that before the COVID, the economy was screaming. Most people would agree with that. The data was on his side. If you look at how the United States did in the COVID compared to other countries, it's going to be right in the middle. Hmm. And, and frankly, I've been saying since the beginning that before anybody made a mistake, and lots of people did make mistakes, I said, let's, let's give them a pass in advance. Because the only thing that would be deadly is not acting. Mm-hmm. You, you got to try some stuff that doesn't work, quickly adjust. That's how you should judge people. Did they quickly adjust? Did they have a way to know that the thing they tried was going to work or not? Did they put you in a no-win situation where you can't change it? And those are the things you should look at, not did you make a mistake. And I think if anybody who's being objective and really looking at it is going to say, well, nobody knew. Just nobody knew. But Trump did close travel from China against all of the experts' recommendation on pure instinct and nailed it. Now, you can't take that away from him. I'm sorry. There's some things that I could say, well, reasonable opinion can go either way. But man, that one's just hard. That's hard. He, he nailed that. If you're going to say, what does leadership look like? It's that. He risked a lot of, of personal capital against every expert, was, mm-hmm. called a, was called a racist, and was absolutely right. And the biggest criticism now, should have done it sooner. <laughs> that's it, it. should have done it sooner that's literally what people are saying 
So we got that right. I think he's going to be right on the hydroxychloroquine in the end. The, the, you know, there's a suggestion that it's at least a little bit useful in some situations, but certainly not dangerous. That was just a media lie. Mm -hmm. uh, the Black Lives Matter thing, I, I hate to say this in public, but I'm going to do it. Um, a lot of it is just bullshit. It's just a lot of it is bullshit. Now, racism isn't bullshit. That's real. Police uh, abusing people, that's real. Uh, but here's what's bullshit. Everybody's on the same side, and there's still a protest, meaning that there's no, there's no conservative, no Republican that I've heard of, not even a single one, who saw the George Floyd tape and then said to themselves, well, there's no problem here. <laughs> no, absolutely not. I don't think any reasonable thinking person could have watched that and thought, oh, that's right. fine. That's yeah, a reasonable this, restraint. It just didn't. This was, yeah. this, was, this was one of the greatest opportunities in the history of civilization. When everybody was spontaneously and somewhat accidentally on the same page. Hmm. Because before we were arguing maybe data and concepts. Oh, I think black people are treated poorly by police. Here's my data. Here's my concept. Here's my anecdote. But I think when you hear that sort of thing, if you're, let's say, if you're wed to the other team, it, it doesn't really have a persuasive impact. It's just people talking. But man, you saw that video and you became George Floyd for nine minutes. You can't watch it. Doesn't matter what your ethnicity is. I hear Black Lives Matter saying, and I believe them, that when I watched that, I saw my son or I saw myself. Mm -hmm. I get that. But here's what you don't get. So did I, right? You don't have to be black to watch a human being being snuffed out by a cop to have all the right feelings about mm -hmm. it, right? Now, everybody's different, so it's not exactly the same feeling, but that was a win. Everybody on the same side for nine minutes, let's do something productive with that. That was the point when they should have taken and could have taken a yes for an answer. At that point, they could have said, Look, we've got 10, suggested, 10 ideas. Can we talk? The Republicans would have said enthusiastically, yes. Mm -hmm. Enthusiastically, yes. Instead, they tore the country apart over an agreement. We ripped the country apart while agreeing on everything. Yeah, you're, the first, the, you're the first person I've heard say that, Scott. You should, you should run for office. Anyway, while you, while you think about that, um, maybe you well, could let... Trump, Trump said that recently, actually. <laughs> oh, did he? I missed it. Yeah. Maybe you could let me and anyone else listening know, where can people find that subscription service to learn to write more effectively that you mentioned? Where would people go for that? Oh, uh, Locals.com, L-O-C-A-L-S. Dot com and what do we just search your name then on locals.com yeah you just, you just go there it's a subscription service and you you can easily navigate to find who you want to follow on that cool thanks scott thanks for coming on the podcast hugely appreciate it good to catch up with you again thanks so much thanks for having me hope you enjoyed the interview today whether you did or didn't i'd appreciate a review wherever you listen to the show itunes spotify whatever if you are interested in doing better at interview if you're looking to land your next role why not go and download my 15 interview tips they're being really well received at the moment on linkedin by my connections and indeed paying clients thorholt.com forward slash 15 tips also go get yourself an amazing artisan hazak 
coffee, H-A-Z-A-Q, hazakcoffee.com. We've shipped them to America, Israel, Pakistan, Australia. You can get the coffee fresh wherever you are by mail order. If we're not already connected on LinkedIn, please do connect with me there. That's where I put out most regular, useful content. And um, yeah, remember, your silence isn't golden, but your free expression and your willingness to use it, that is. See you next time. Enjoyed that interview with Scott Adams. Whether you did or didn't, I'd really appreciate a review wherever you listen to the show. Doesn't have to be five stars, just an honest review. Much appreciated. If we're not already connected on LinkedIn, please do connect with me there. That's where I produce regular and, so I'm told, valuable content, especially for people that are looking to upgrade their career or win at interview or find a new role. Also, while you're doing that, why not pick up some mail order fresh artisan coffee from hazakcoffee.com, H-A-Z-A-Q coffee.com. I won't spell coffee. I think you probably already know how to spell it or you wouldn't be listening to this show. This is a show for thinkers after all. Remember, my friend, your silence isn't golden, but your expression of your ideas, that really is. See you next time.